Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope that this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Hey, I'm Andy, one of the pastors here at the Valley. Man, it's good to be with you, and this is just an exciting season. I want to tell you here at the Valley Church, I love what's all happening. I love what's coming up. You know, we have a new sermon series coming up in two weeks. It's called The Mission. It's, our, it's, it's a whole Christmas series, and it's about the, the reality that when God created us, he already knew that we were going to need him to rescue us. And so he created a mission. He created the mission through Jesus Christ to come rescue us. And so this four-week series, we're going to talk about what that mission looks like and how God wants us to be part of that mission And we've got some cards on your chairs there. I hope you'll use those to invite somebody into this journey. It's going to be a great four weeks, and I hope you'll be a part of it. So grab this card. Use it as an invitation with your neighbors, your friends. Maybe it's that person at work or at school, whoever it is. Grab that card. Use it. And uh, we've got some exciting things that are going to be happening each week of that series. Stay tuned. You won't want to miss that. It's going to be great. Hey, uh, I I love what's happening in Honduras. I've been there five or six times. And uh, it, the relationships you built are tremendous. You know what I really love is when, um, when people take uh, someone that's younger and bring them along, whether it's a, a father-son or a father-daughter. I did that with, uh, with my daughter. It was the best trip, uh, best time that we've maybe ever spent together. Um, it, there's just something about being on mission together. And so I want to encourage you, if you're a parent or a caregiver, you just know somebody, maybe you're a spiritual mentor to someone, go to Honduras and bring them along. It'll be life-changing for them. It'll be life-changing for you. It'll be life-changing for the people in Honduras. Like, that's why we're doing this, to build up the church. But also, you can't give without being blessed. I don't know if you've discovered that. You can't give without being blessed. Well, we're in the midst of a sermon series called Idols. We're talking about what, what gives us. In a sense, I've come to discover that, that what we make idols are the things that we think are going to give us security. Um... Yeah. Uh, have you seen the new commercial, Fansville commercial? Aren't they great? They're, they're like, they're really kind of fun. Okay, so the latest one is, uh, you know, they, the, the mom and dad, they got the star quarterback sitting bet- between them on the couch. They're watching the game, and their son is at school, right? And uh, all of a sudden, he comes home a little early, and there he sees the star quarterback sit with his mom and dad, and the quarterback leans over and says, hey, mom. And the son looks in horror, like he knows he's being replaced, right? And the mom says, it's just a silly little nickname. And, and then the dad says, yeah, he came up with dad for me. I, I just, I don't know about you, but that just, that strikes me as hilarious every time I see that commercial. You know, uh, that family, they want, they want it both ways. They want to have the star quarterback as their son, and they want to have their son as their son. And we say, well, that's just a silly little commercial. It's our lives. It really is our lives. Um, anybody, you know, th- another picture. Linus, what does he carry? He's always got that blanket. The Christmas special is coming up. You're going to watch Snoopy. It's just what it is. You're going to watch that. And he's always got the blanket. Why? Because that's his security. I wonder what it is in your life. What is that thing that you carry around like Linus that's your security? In reality, yeah, in reality, that's probably something. It doesn't have to be. But it could be that that's a symbol of what an idol is in your life. So today we're looking at stuff. 
the stuff that you have, and it might be uh, your, your retirement account, it, it could be your bank account, it could be that house, it could be that car, it could be the toys that you have in the garage, all those kind of things. And, and we're going to take a look at how that stuff can have a grip on us. And I want us to know this. It's okay to own stuff, but it's not okay if your stuff owns you. It's okay to own stuff. God has blessed us. If you're a child of God, he wants to bless you. He wants to pour out so much blessing, you won't be able to contain it all. That's what God wants for your life. He just doesn't want it all to stick to you. He wants it to flow through you. Jesus was teaching his disciples, and he said this. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, this passage, we could try to make it about a lot of things, but it's really about money. It's about possessions. It's just what it is. And the reality is all of us know that money can have a hold on us. And I'm not just talking about the dollar bill in your wallet, but I'm talking about our possessions, the things that we prize in our life. Maybe it's a prize collection. Maybe it is a vehicle. Maybe it's a, um, a, a dream that we have that, that we're putting money away for, whatever it might be. And, and what, I, what I want us to see in this passage, first, it's about money and possession, but secondly, there's two words in there. It talks about either you will hate the one and love the other, it's talking about love and hate. And the reality is, you're not supposed to hate anybody, right? And so the reality is, this is about priority in your life. When you love something, it's about making it first priority. When you hate something, it's, a, it, it's not about somewhere in the scriptures that talks about hating your mother and father. Well, that's, that's not it, hate in the sense that we would understand today. It's hate about priority. Nothing should ever rise to the level of God in our life. Jesus is saying this. Jesus is saying you can only have one first in your life. You can only have one first in your life. What is it for you? Now, some of you want to get off the hook and say, I don't have a whole lot, so they can't be talking about me. But look what Jesus says. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And Jesus is saying, I think he's saying this. It's not about, let me put it on the screen. It's not about the amount of money you have. It's about how you view the money and the stuff you do have. See, you, you, you can be poor and make money and possessions your idol. You can have almost nothing to make that the idol of your life. And, and I've, you hear stories about it all the time where somebody has grew, grown up hard scrabble and that's all they do the rest of their life, like, like they're focused on making it. They're focused on accumulating. They're focused on, on reaching a certain level. And that becomes their whole life because of the hard scrabble existence they've had. You, you know, you hear stories of other people who are very wealthy. They have a lot of resource that God has blessed them with. And, and yet, they handle it very loosely. They let it flow through them. God uses them in amazing ways. So, so there, there's no... There's no one person that fits the mold. I want us to understand that. The reality is every one of us struggle with what's going to be our security. And oftentimes we let money be the thing that we hang on to. And so the priority you give stuff in your life can make a huge difference in your worship of God. 
I know myself, I'm always trying to get up off my knees from bowing to stuff. That's the title of this message, Bowing to Stuff. Are you, do you ever struggle with that? I picked my first career because uh, I wanted to make money. That was the whole reason I picked it. I wanted to be a corporate pilot because I knew there was going to be some good money in that. So I went to school to try to work my way to that. It didn't work out. I, didn't, I decided I didn't want to be gone from home that much. But if I'd actually checked in with God, I might have discovered that when I was 10 or 12 and he had impressed in my heart that, I, that he wanted me to be a pastor. I, I, I knew already he was calling me in some way. Maybe I'd have listened to him, but I, I didn't even put God on the phone on that one. I just made my own decision. I had a brother um, who invested $400 in crypto, and he ended up with, uh, he sold half of that holding for $25,000 to buy a boat. And I'm thinking, I want to do that. I want that kind of a toy. You ever, you ever see someone else who's been blessed that way, and all of a sudden, like, your focus becomes that? I've received unexpected money at times, and uh, sometimes my thought has been, how, how does God want me to use it? But other times, it's, it's how can I make my life more secure? What, what can I do with this that's going to that's gonna bring me joy or pleasure or, or, or going to make my life more secure. And then I heard about this thing I remember years ago um, called tithing. This idea you give a tenth of your income. And I was like, nobody's going to do that. That's crazy. And yet I knew God was calling us to do that. And, and yet I wasn't so focused on what God wanted for me and what he had commanded me to do. I was really worried about my security. What am I going to do if I try that and we don't have enough to make it? And we were already right on the line. So, so so I was like, you know, I think I, I was in a, the same place you are, actually. I was in a place where I had to say, am I going to do what God wants me to do? Or am, am I going to trust in Him? Am I going to put my security in Him? Or am I going to put it in that 10% that He's called me to give? Am, am I going to put it in the things that, of this world that I think might just sustain me? That, that's what an idol is. It's all about... Our security. I've, I've, I've always tried to figure that out. Well, what, what makes something? It's really about who you trust in or what you're going to trust in. And so the question is, do we own our possessions or do they own us? And how do we break that? Fortunately, God has a word for us today. Are you ready for this? We're going to go to uh, Luke chapter 12. If you'll join us, Luke chapter 12. By the way, if you have the app, you can go to message notes and follow along. The scriptures are there and the fill in the blanks or whatever else. There's some sheets in the back if you like to fill in uh, paper. If you're online, you can click the link there. Love for you to follow along, man. This, this is rich. This is, a, this is Jesus teaching his disciples about money. And uh, he did that often in possessions because he knew that if people got focused on, on worldly things as the way to their security, as the thing that was going to make them whole, as the thing that was going to protect them and provide for them, that they were going to miss the greatest gift in their life. And so let's go, Luke chapter 12. It starts out this way. Jesus is with a crowd. He's teaching his disciples. And it says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? 
So this guy's got a problem, and he comes to Jesus. It's a family problem. He comes to Jesus to solve it. He wants judge to, or Jesus to be the judge over this thing. And here's the thing. In those days, the eldest son got a double share of the inheritance. So that's what's happening here. The older brother, the, oldest, the eldest is getting a double share. Wouldn't we all like that, right? A double share, and the youngest is like, he's getting less. And they both don't. Um, well, at least the youngest doesn't like that, but the, the oldest doesn't like that the youngest is trying to get it from him. And Jesus, look what he does. He says he doesn't even get involved. Why? Because he knows the problem in the problem. He, he knows the problem in the problem. You notice when Jesus teaches, often like he doesn't just directly respond because they start by asking a question. All of us do that. We start by asking a question, but that's not really the issue. And so he gets right to the issue. Because you see, the real problem was greed. The real problem was that both men valued the money more than they valued the relationship. In fact, that's how we can know money and possessions have become an idol for us. We value that more than we value the horizontal relationship with God. In, in other words, what he commands us to do, how he calls us to live, or the horizontal relationships in our life. That's the people, the other people. I, I knew uh, someone once who made a $1,000 loan to a family member, and uh, they had the resource, so they were able to do that. Um, and, and after a while, uh, they, they kind of let it go, but the other person wasn't paying it back. And it was really starting to cause a rift in the family, it, this $1,000. And so they came and asked me what, what they should do. And, and I said, you know, is that relationship worth $1,000? Is that, is that relationship, and it's not just one. As you know, when there's one rift, there's multiple rifts. It, it makes its ripple effect all the way through. I said, is it worth that $1,000? And they said, no, it's not even close. I said, then give them the $1,000. See, we've got to be real careful about debt between family or debt between others. It can cause major rifts. That's why it says we're not the cosign for other people. We're judging and we're setting ourselves up to, uh, to have problems with character. Uh, w- now we're tying our character to theirs. And so the reality is money be- and possessions become an idol when we make it more important than our relationship with God and more important than a relationship with other people. And that's what's happening here. And then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And with that statement, Jesus devalues material possessions in our lives. Now, we need material possessions. We all know we aren't going to go to the store and with our good looks try and get food. It ain't going to happen. You know what I'm saying? We need resources, and God provides resources to us. He's the source of everything that we have. All good gifts come from the Father. So every good gift comes from Him. But He says, life, while you need resources, life is not about accumulating resources. It's not about accumulating stuff. And God doesn't condemn. Jesus is not condemning material things. God wants to provide, provide for you. He wants to bless you. I love some of the great gifts that God has given us along the way, things that we did not deserve, far beyond what we deserve. But Jesus is warning that things aren't going to make your life better. Um, I, I remember um, when we were first married, like we had zero, we didn't have two nickels to rub together, and I'm, I'm not saying that lightly. <laughs> there weren't two nickels to rub together. 
Um, actually, especially after we made the ice cream run, we spent our last dollar from the, from the car. You know, you have all the change in the cigarette tray or ashtray. We'd grab all that and go get an ice cream at George's Dairy Queen, and then we didn't have two nickels to rub together. That was what was left. You know, those were great days. We have more resource now. These are great days. Money didn't make the difference. Money won't make the difference in your life. Sometimes the more we have, the more we think we need. Isn't it true? That it almost becomes like, uh, like, it, like it becomes additive in our life. And then the more you have, the more you have to manage, the more you take care of. But here's the thing. It's not the fact, it's not the amount of money or possessions we have. It's really the pursuit of those resources that'll keep you from pursuing the best things. The reality is that the more we pursue money and possessions, the more it keeps us from the things that God wants us to do. Have you experienced that yet? Have you experienced that? Jesus sets it up that way, and then look what he does. He tells a story. Jesus is a great storyteller, and so he tells a story to get his point across, to what he wants to share with the disciples at that point. And he says, and he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build a bigger one and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves that are not rich toward God. There's this book on my shelf called The Contrarian's Guide to Leadership. It's one of my favorite leadership books. If you're into leadership, read it. It's great. The he takes a contrary view to what what commonly are thought to be leadership principles. And uh, I love it because he, he, he dispels some myths in there and he gives you another view of how to lead. And so I want to take a riff on his, his title because Jesus has a contrarian view of how we ought to handle our resources. That's, that's what he's doing here. And this is ultimately what it comes down to. Putting our security in our money and our stuff turns it into an idol and the object of our worship. And it just can't deliver. That's really what Jesus is saying. You see, the money the rich man gets from his harvest aren't the problem. And you're going to be blessed in your lifetime. A lot of it's going to be through a good-paying job. Some, some of you may receive an inheritance. It, it, it may be that you're blessed in, in a lot of different ways. Maybe you'll invest in, uh, in, in, in the market and somehow you will, you will go on a great run and uh, it, there could be lots of different ways you, you buy a home and it appreciates you start a business and uh, it grows beyond your wildest imagination God is going to bless us he blesses his children the problem becomes when we think that's our security when we think the harvest that God blesses us with is our security it's the blanket that we hang on to instead of him like, like that is going to make us more secure. Jesus condemns that. We can either put God first in our life and choose him, or we can trust in our possessions. I wonder where you are. This became really real for me in 2000. I was a sales and marketing guy at, uh, at, at a company. It was a small company, 
and I was taking classes at night to, for pastoral ministry. God had called me to be a pastor. I knew that, so I'm taking classes. But this, it, 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 where I was working, the, the, the general manager didn't like the idea that I was taking classes. Um, he really wanted me to be 100%. Everything I was doing toward, um, toward uh, the, the company. And uh, so there was a little bit of a, a tension there. But, but I remember thinking, I, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I continued to take classes. And I was trying to decide, how, how, am, I, how am I just going to let go of a good-paying job? I finally took a long time, but now I'm at a place where I'm making some real money. And, and uh, I got a wife and three children. How am I going to, like, respond to you, God, and just answer the call to pastoral ministry? Like, how, how do you just do that? And so I began to see that maybe the security of that job was an idol but it was so strong I couldn't let it go. <laughs> and so I prayed a prayer. You, you, you shouldn't pray unless you're ready for this. God, if you want me to, to go into pastoral ministry, you're going to have to take this job away from me. Well, it wasn't a few months later he did. <laughs> I lost my job. Um, we had an old product line that we just couldn't sell anymore. It wasn't competitive. There was a new one coming out, new products, but the sales cycle on that was two or three years at least. And there was a gap in the middle, and the GM was getting, you know, there was a lot of pressure, let's just say, and uh, somebody had to be the fall guy, and I guess I was it. And it's still a little smart, and over, you know, we still smart over some of those things from our past. But I remember that was like actually probably the greatest day of my life because it, God allowed me to, to break the chain to this security blanket that I'd had. It was a good paying job. It was the image that I hoped for with my family and with friends. You know, like, like I got a job. I'm in a, in a, and this is a good job. And I'm, I'm making a difference. And I'm, uh, and I'm bringing resource in. And yeah, it was, it was what I'd hoped. And yet I knew that God was calling me to let go of that security blanket to do something greater. That, that was... Um, that was hard for me because I wanted to send our kids to a Christian college. And I thought, I ain't going to do that on a pastor's salary. And I thought, I, I want to have a good retirement fund. I knew that was the, that was the mecca, right? You've got to have a good retirement fund. Like, you, you know, who, you know? And so, so I, I thought, how can I do that and be a pastor? And I thought, I would, you know, we're going to go on some nice vacations. And now I want to do some fun. You know, I, I, I want to do some of that. What am I? And I was hanging on to that. that, that like this job will get me that and this will not. And, and, and that was the decision I had to make. I wonder if you are in the same place. Like you're thinking, if I obey God over here, I won't be able to do this. I don't know why I worried. God called me. We went to Colorado Springs. Along the way, in the next year, God put more resources into my life than I than I had when I was working the job. I, I don't even know how it all happened. I know somebody called us and they gave us a free house in Colorado Springs. That just doesn't happen every day. That's a whole story within itself. Somebody called us up and said, hey, I want you to come and, and to our house. We're going to pray over you. And then they said, hey, we, and we, got, we got some money in this market. We know we're supposed to give it to God's work and now we know what it's for. It's for you. It was like eight or $10,000. It was just time and time and time again. And so I was so worried about our security and I wanted to keep it in my own hands. I wanted to take care of it myself. If I got a job and I got, I can handle all this. Like, God, I don't know if you can do that. Do you know that fast forward, two of our kids went to Christian colleges, made it through. One got a full ride scholarship. 
our retirement account's doing just fine. And we've been blessed in multiple ways that God has provided in ways that I never could have imagined, I never could have provided for my own family and for me. God is faithful. But it all comes down to do you trust Him or do you trust the money that you have? I remember when we were in On the Move, that, that was this big resource initiative where we we're going to raise money to take our next steps as a church, launch the Troy campus, build that parking lot because we were out of space and a new building and we have not had to build that yet. I know many people ask questions. Hey, we're sending them out. We're going to send another hundred out, maybe more to Sydney. And, uh, so, but there will be a day. It's, it's, uh, we're continuing to grow. You can look around you a whole lot fuller and uh, pretty amazing stuff. And so as we raised that money, we knew God was calling us to give a certain amount, which we knew we weren't going to get from our daily, our weekly paychecks. It just wasn't going to happen. And uh, there wasn't enough in reserve. That wasn't going to happen. And the only thing we had left was, it was retirement accounts. And, and I'm like, you don't touch that stuff. You're not supposed to touch those. And that was, that was almost like the last degree for me. <laughs> And yet, I knew what we were supposed to do, and we had come up with this number, and so we did. And do you know God has replaced that in so much more? See, see that final deal for me was the retirement thing. That was the, that was the responsible piece. That was the piece that says, that's the nest egg, or that's the safety. That's the blanket that can protect me in case everything else fails. We all have one of those. What is it for you? What's the barn that you're trying to fill? What's the barn that you're hanging on to? For some of you, it's a retirement account. For some of you, it is a career that you know God has called you somewhere else. He's called you to do something else. For some of you, the bigger barn is a, is a lifestyle. For some of you, the bigger barn is a toy. Maybe it's a home, a certain home that's in your mind that you need to have, a property or a bank account at a certain level. What is the bigger barn in your life? I want you to know we're far more secure in God's abundant provision than in pursuit of more on our own. I want you to know that God is faithful. God is faithful. And you only get to choose one first in your life. Is it going to be the bigger barn or is it going to be Jesus himself? Now you say, Pastor Andy, I could never do that. I could never make those kind of decisions. Like, like that's, that's too hard for me. And I want you to know, I don't think I could have either hadn't God been training me. You know, he's got a training plan to, tr to, to help you trust him. Did you know that? Yeah, he's got a plan for you to learn to trust his faithfulness. It's called the principle of first. The principle of first. The principle of first is trusting God with whatever is first in your life and letting him be your security. We, we, we first see it in Exodus. Verse 13, or Exodus 13, verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. Notice the first there. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Then later in verse 12, it says, you are to give over to the Lord every, the first of offspring of every womb. So here, here was the deal, that these people who were animal keepers, shepherds, whatever, had livestock, they were to give the firstborn of every 
off, of every offspring that they had or, or every birth that they had. So if you had an animal, for example, if you had a sheep and they had a lamb, you were to give the first lamb to God through redemption or sacrifice. There were a couple different ways you gave it to God. They, of course, we, like, there's no elevator to heaven, right? So, so in this case, they had a sacrificial system and you would either redeem that lamb through, through some, some providing something else in, in its place or you would sacrifice it. So that was the first that God's talking about. And you were to give the first sheep, not the, or the first lamb. You didn't know that nine more were coming. God called you to give the first one before the other nine showed up. That takes some trust, doesn't it? Before you even know that there's going to be another nine. That's the kind of commitment God wanted. That's the kind of worship that God expected of his people, that they would give him the first before they knew if anything else was coming, because that says, I trust you, God. My life is in your hands. And then there's the principle of the first fruits. Let me bring it here. The principle first, there's the thing of the first fruits. The first fruits were the first agricultural thing. So we have a society where they're raising animals, and that's really where their wealth was and how they took care of themselves. And then there, it was an agrarian culture, so they were growing things. You gardeners, here, here this is for you. <laughs> this is for you. And look what it said in Proverbs chapter 3. It says, Honor the Lord with the first fruit, or, or honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. First fruits are the first thing that grows. So if you're a farmer and you're growing corn and there are a hundred bushel, the first ten go to God. N- not you to gather all hundred and then give give ten to God, but no, you you give the first of what you had. That was the idea. And when Cain and Abel, when Cain and Abel, we remember back in Genesis, one killed the other, but one didn't, one had a sacrifice that was received by God, and the other did not. What was the difference? It's often thought that he probably didn't give his best, and maybe that meant he didn't give his first. See, God wants us to trust him first, not second, not, oh, if there's a little leftover. No, he wants us to trust us him with the first. And so then it comes down, let's take it one step further. The principle of the firstborn and the first fruits is the same principle as the tithe. The tithe means a tenth. It means a tenth of your income, that, 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 of your increase, whatever that is. And it says this in Leviticus. It says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And just as the firstborn belongs to the Lord, just as the first fruits belongs to the Lord, he teaches us that the tithe, the first of your income, the first of, of your increase belongs to the Lord as well. I'm going to say this. I always like to give this caveat. The church isn't in trouble. I'm not talking about money because the church needs money. I'm talking about money because Jesus talked about money. I'm talking about money and possessions simply because this is an idol in our lives. Every one of us are bowing down at some point in time. We are struggling or we are tempted to bow down to possessions or money. And you say, well, how do I overcome that? I'll tell you how you overcome it. God gives us an opportunity every day of our life, every week of our life to put him first. Because what do we do? The tithe doesn't, it's a first fruits offering. It isn't, you, you don't take your, 
you look at your income and say, well, okay, now we've paid all the bills. Is there any left for a tithe? It doesn't work that way. A tithe says, I'm going to give you the first tenth before I pay any bills. And I'm going to trust you that the 90% that's left is going to go further than the 100% used to. I'm going to put my security, I'm going to put my finances, I'm going to put my future in your hands, and I'm going to take it out of my hands. And only when you put God first are you really honoring him the way he calls us to. Tithing broke my dependence, and, and he, he broke my, my bowing down to me building bigger barns for my own security. That's how he does it. See, he trains us that along the way, as we begin to put him first, and every week we have a choice whether we're going to put him first. And when we do that, when you come to the bigger issues of life, when you come to even bigger things, guess what? God's going to already have proven himself faithful. You're going to see his blessing. You're going to see how he, he says he will pour out so much blessing, you won't have room enough to contain it like your barns will be filled to overflowing. Not so that, well, that, well I thought we were supposed to empty the barns. <laughs> it's okay to have a barn. It's not okay to hang on to it. It's not okay to hang on to it. So if you want to break the idle possessions, trust God with your first fruits, with the tithe, and let him begin to develop in you a trust in him for everything in your life. That's how it works. And so I want to give you I want to give you two ways to apply today's message, and the first is just take that step. Begin to trust God. Begin to not rely on yourself, your bank account, your paycheck, your whatever, it, what, whatever the bigger barn is in your life, whatever that thing is that, you, that makes you feel secure what, related to money and possessions. What is that thing that makes you feel like I, I got it together? For a lot of people, I remember in the 30s, it was the stock market till it was all gone. You see, the things that we put our trust in, the bigger barns that we put our trust in here on earth cannot stand up to the weight. Remember Pastor Ryan, he had these three boxes here a few weeks ago, and he stood on the boxes, and every one of them crushed except God. That's a very visual illustration of the truth that the bigger barns that we're building with money and possessions, cannot hold the weight, cannot give us the security we long for. But a God who is the creator of all the earth, who can do all things, <laughs> who knows our need, who is the owner of the cattle and the gold. You know, it says he, he, he owns all the, all the gold and silver. All the cattle are his. Like everything we need. And so we, I want to challenge you to begin to take that step because that's what it was personally for me. That when I began to try, and I thought, Todd, you got to be kidding. Who would do that? That was like a really foreign concept to me. I grew up and you just, you know, a few bucks here and there, but you really were focused on taking care of business over here, you like deal. And I remember thinking, nobody's going to do that. And yet I began to hear the stories of people and God began to call me. So I began to take that step and we trusted even though we didn't know how we were going to make ends meet. And God provided in miraculous ways. And he blessed us. But you know what he did mostly? He began to take my eyes off my own security blankets and put it on him. 
So I challenge you, download the app, grab a card, begin to take that step. And again, this isn't about raising funds for the Valley Church. This is about your heart. It's about helping you move your reliance off the barn to what God wants to do in your life. And don't be a reservoir, be a river. You know, one of the things that Jesus is railing against is this idea of greed. Of greed just simply means I want more. It's the it's the thing of more. Like this isn't enough, so I want another barn and then another barn. And and more will make me happier. More will make me feel more secure. And and Jesus is saying, no, 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 it won't. That's a lie of the enemy. More won't make you more secure. Trusting in me will make you more secure because I'm the I'm the one who can make it happen in your life. I have your, hand, I have your life in my hands. And so trust me. Don't be a reservoir that just traps it. But when God fills your barn, let it flow through you to others. Be part of the Christmas Eve offering. None of that's going to stay here. It's going to go to places in Sydney and Piqua and Troy and the surrounding areas, different community partners to make a difference in our world. Be, be a reservoir. Look at the people around you. Or not a reservoir, but be a river. Let God's blessing flow through you and trust Him to continue to provide. And then God will break the idol of possessions in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the, the things that you bless us with. Like you, you're the God who created this whole world and everything we need, you know. And Lord, we know that, that most of all, we need security. We need to know that we're okay in you. We need to know that everything we need will be provided and your promises that you will. And so Lord, help us to put you first in our life. Help us to trust you with the provision, not with the barns that we've created. And Lord, when you give us blessings, let us not feel guilty. Let us enjoy the the blessings that you are pouring through us, but let them go through us. Lord, let us use what you have given us to bless the world, to be your hands and your feet in this place. And Lord, let us never get hung up in thinking those things will make us happy. Those things will fulfill us. Those things will make us feel secure. Because when they're gone, when they go, when we're struggling with them, then everything will fall apart. But Lord, you never will. You never have failed and you never will. Thank you. Thank you that you are worthy. Thank you that you are worth following and honoring and trusting in. We love you today. Break that hold in our lives that you would be first in every way and we'll cling to you and we'll follow you and thank you, Father, that you've chosen to use us in your mission in this place. We love you today. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go and uh, be a blessing in this world. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app today to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you or changed your life, share it with a friend. Because changed lives, change lives.